Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We're in the third part of a four-part series that we're calling Overflowing, it's on Philippians. Today is Overflowing Purpose. So if you would stand, we've been doing this the last couple of weeks. We want to do it the, the ne- this week and next week as well. Read the entire chapter together. At the end of this, I'll say, this is the Word of God. And you answer back and say, thanks be to God. Okay, let's read together. Father, bless the reading of your Word, we ask in the name of Jesus. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I've often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. This is the Word of God. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks be to God. Well, overflowing. Series on Philippians. What's going on here, we've been seeing this over and over again, week after week, is that Paul loves this church. He loves the Philippians because they have partnered with him in the gospel. They have shared sacrificially with him. He loves these Macedonians, these Greeks, these Philippians. 
He loves these guys because they've shared so radically with him. And he's offering thanks back to them, which is resulting in praise to God. And that's what love is. Love gives, love receives, and then offers up thanks in the midst of all of that. And that's what our God is like. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sharing, receiving, praise to God in the midst of all of that. And that's what, that's how we're called to live ourselves. We want to live in that kind of love and that kind of upward swirl of grace that results in praise to God, right? Somebody. And so, you know, the first week we saw that this overflowing love is expressed in joy and results in unity. Last week we saw that this overflowing love of God is expressed in humility and results in unity. You see a little flow here. And today we're going to look at how this overflowing love is expressed in shared purpose and results in unity. You see how it goes together. And so remember last week, he, Paul does the big ask. He says, make my joy complete. He's rejoicing all the way through the letter, but he says, make my joy complete by you guys getting along. You're not working together. You're at odds with each other. And we're getting more even to the heart of that even today. A, pers- a person with purpose is powerful. It sounds like a sermon point or something. Um, person, purpose powerful. But I remember just early on in life, I wanted my life to count and I wanted my life to make a difference. Anybody know what that feels like? We want our lives to count. We want to make a difference. I want to serve God's purpose in this this generation. And so that really just gripped me. Uh, In the second century, there was a famous rabbi named, hey, how do you like the new piano? Except there's a bunch of knobs on it back here. You can't see it. It's actually not completely real, but um, I thought it looks kind of cool. Way to go, Aaron. Is Aaron in the room? Come on, man. I love it. I was telling a story when I, about Akiva. Thank you. Akiva, second century. Oh, it's, it's on the screen. Second century rabbi. I think I put that in the notes because I knew I'd get off track right there. Something. Uh, if you're visiting with us, just bear with me. This, things like this happen all the time. So it's fun. But uh, Akiva, second century. So he's, he's a real famous rabbi, and he's, he's uh, muttering scripture to himself. He's walking along. Uh, th- that's what uh, Dallas Willard, by the way, parentheses here real quick. Dallas Willard calls scripture memory. He says that you just go around muttering scripture to yourself. So there you go. It's just let's all memorize some scripture. Just go around. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms. That's a good thing to do. Kiva's kind of doing that. He's meditating on Isaiah 43, which says, I am the God and there is no other, and my purpose is going to stand in the nations. And so he's he's muttering that scripture, and he's so distracted and focused on that scripture that he's supposed to go to Caesarea, but instead he takes a wrong turn. And he ends up at a, at a, a Roman garrison. And the centurion up on the wall says, he says, says, who are you and where are you going? And Akiva's just deep in thought and he looks up. He can't, he doesn't even really know where he's at. And he says, uh, what? And he says, who are you and where are you going? And Akiva looks at him more pointedly and he says, how much do you get paid to do that? And he says, what? Two drachmas. And Akiva says to him, I'll pay you double if you'll stand outside my house and ask me those two questions every morning when I leave. 
Who are you and where are you going? And that's what we're talking about today. Who are you? Where are you going? Those are huge questions. We're made for purpose. We're made in the image of God. Ecclesiastes says that God put eternity in our hearts. He, he put us, he made us to long for something bigger than ourselves. You know, there's a famous uh, passage that we've has been huge for us in the whole journey of the church here from Acts 13, 36, where it says David served God's purpose in his generation and then he died. And that's just that's it. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be morbid, but I mean, when we discover that life is short, we're going to die. Live like you know that. That's a huge revelation. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So we want to live with purpose. We want to live with focus and we want to live out the new identity that God has given us in Jesus Christ. If that could happen just right here, if that could happen right here, we could change the world. World peace, love, right relationships, wrong things made right, ugly things made beautiful, salvation to the nations. I mean, just if we just would live out the purpose of God for us. That's his plan. That's what he wants to, to, to see happen. Knowing who God is and who we are is absolutely key. But I'll say this, it gets tested every single day. It gets tested every day, single day. Why? The fall. And who all participated in that? You guys. Me, I did it. I, I've participated. We all have, right? And we make bad decisions. So Adam and Eve's first decision you know, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, and now they need to hide from God. It's a bummer. Their first decision, go hide in the bushes from God. Now they're, they're walking in darkness. They don't see God for who He is, so they don't see themselves for who they really are. They don't know their love. They can't receive that love. And it takes Jesus Christ coming to step into our darkness and brokenness in order for us to get right and back into right relationship with God. So what happens with us in the fall, and this still happens, is we settle for a thousand little things that are less than God himself. Can I get a just a little witness? Ever done that? Anybody ever settled for something less than the best? Done it too, too often. So one of the things that we're talking about, we've said this the first two weeks, I want to say it again today, is what is the story that's going on that makes sense out of what Paul's writing to the Philippians. Now, Philippians is loaded as a letter with lots of great things that you could just go and take that out and put it on your refrigerator, right? There's some good ones, right? For to me, to live is Christ. Whatever is noble and true and pure and right and trustworthy, think about those things. That's a great one. But there's more going on there in behind the scenes, and that's what we want to touch on. Paul's writing for a reason. Last week, we talked about the overflowing love that's expressed in the humility of Jesus Christ going all the way, not just stepping out of heaven, which is huge. That's an unbelievable act of humility that God becomes flesh and steps into our darkened, groping around darkness and points the way to God. You know, but he goes all the way to the cross. Jesus, and, and so us becoming followers of Jesus means that we learn to go the way of the cross ourselves. It's just, it's a journey of, of kind of learning how to empty ourselves and kind of learning how to follow Jesus the way he followed the Father. 
Being dependent on his father's voice like that. That's, that's the call that's on us. And so in chapter three, Paul takes, takes this whole thing to another level. He takes that self-sacrificing way of Jesus and now he's going to apply that to the purpose that the Philippians have to walk out in their own lives. And this is the way of Jesus. It's our, our finding our life in him, that he is our very life. And this is such a big deal that, that this should affect every single aspect of life. There's no part of your life that remains untouched by what I'm talking about here, where Jesus is so much our identity, whether that's American Airlines, whether that's different schools, they've got teachers and educators in here, whether that's at the university, whether that's uh, in our personal lives or working downtown or wherever we work or with our wives or with our children, every single facet of life, God wants to put under the authority and the reign of Jesus Christ. that's, That's where this whole thing's going. There's an economy of God that's going to wrap up everything in heaven and everything on the earth and under the earth. Everything's going to be wrapped up under Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. So that is certainly going to just affect how we relate to each other here, right? In the church. And that's what Paul's writing about. How do you relate in the church? So here's the main thing. God's calling us to his overflowing love that is expressed in shared purpose and results in unity. So Paul's, he's starting this thing off. He says, look, it's, it's my joy to write this to you. It's not a bummer for me. It's a safeguard for you. So listen up. And here we go. This shared purpose is first of all connected to knowing, knowing who we are, knowing who we are. Everybody understand that? That's, that's going to be the first part that Paul's going to, going to hit here. Certainly as individuals, we need to know who we are. I quoted that verse earlier. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ. That's an identity, right? That's an identity state. My very life is Jesus. I don't have life apart from Jesus. I'm walking with him. He's my life. He's my breath. He's the living water within me. He's, he's the, the, the way my mind is oriented to thinking, my emotions oriented to emoting. He's, he's, he's animating me. He's, he's, he's showing me how to walk and live and talk and interact and do community and do life. He's my very life. But there's more than that that Paul's really going for here. And that is that this identity, it's knowing who we are, not just as individuals, but knowing who we are as the people of God. And he's redefining that here. He's redefining that, especially in terms of Jesus Christ, but also in terms of us being citizens of heaven. In chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So citizenship for us is a reframe. We're, We're just reframing things so that this morning we would hear Paul say, our citizenship first and foremost is not here, but it's heaven. He's making an argument that they would be unified because their citizenship isn't there. It's in heaven. Now that's a big deal in Philippi. Philippi, you know, just was this Greek city. 
And there's a lot of big battles that were fought there. Yancey and I were talking the other day. Got me. I just went back and Wikipedia read all the, a lot of this history stuff, but there were several big battles that were fought there. And especially something huge that like it, it kind of changed hands after Octavius defeats Mark Antony. Any history buffs? Octavius defeats Mark Antony. He becomes Caesar Augustus and, and locates all of the power then under the Caesar, uh, under his kingship and his, 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 uh, as the emperor. And so what happens with Philippi though, after some of those battles are fought is that Philippi becomes not just a Greek city, but a Roman colony. And so they move veterans in there. They move Roman citizens in there. And as they're doing that, they are displacing Greek citizens. So people that have had this land this in this city for years and decades and generations and astra, uh, ancestral uh, portions of land, they are kicked off their land and it's given to Roman citizens. Okay, so this is a big deal. I mean, you think, how would you feel if you were displaced and these other people were there? Now roll the clock forward. It's only about 80 years forward in time from when all of that happened all of the battle happened and the displacement started. So roll the clock forward. And now there's a church there in that same city. And you've got all of these different people, Roman citizens, Greek citizens, people that have been displaced, people that did the displacing. And they're all sitting around together like this. And that's a pretty good way of like, man, that could lead to some real yucky kind of relating stuff we've got to work through. I've got a few issues here that I need to work through. And the citizenship, I want to hammer this because it's a big deal. You remember Paul in Acts 16 on the first week, we talked about how Paul, he started the church in Philippi, reached Lydia. He casts a demon out of this person and that ends up, they, he ends up getting thrown in jail because of that. They, not because of the, the, the exorcism, but because of that they lost their ability to make money. So they threw him in jail Earthquake in the middle of the night, they're praising God like we all would have been doing. And earthquake happens and they don't leave. The jailer comes up, he's about to kill himself, and he leads the jailer and his family to the Lord. Everybody's baptized there. But here's the big deal. Paul, at the end of that, says, we're Roman citizens. I'm a Roman citizen in this city and you've thrown me in jail and you want me to quietly leave? I'm not going to do it. I'm a Roman citizen. It's a big deal. And so the officials come, they talk Paul kind of down a little bit and they talk, listen to him, but they, then they have to escort him to the edge of the city. That, that's a big deal. The, 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 the part I'm trying to emphasize here is Paul is a citizen and he's playing on that. The citizenship in Philippi, being a Roman citizen is a big deal. Paul is pushing against that, the idea of, uh, our different divisions that are according to the flesh. And so he says, you know, it's not them who's the circumcision. We are the circumcision now who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus. It's a different frame of reference. If they're fighting about citizenship, which is certainly a good argument in this chapter 3 that they are fighting about citizenship or things related to that, then when Paul starts this argument then about, I put no confidence in the flesh and this argument about religion, then that, to me, I just was looking at that, I'm like, that's brilliant. So instead of attacking them directly and saying, why are you treating each other bad because of your citizenship? He steps over here and goes, look, if somebody's got a reason for confidence in the flesh, I've got more. I've got even more. I'm, I'm a 
you know, I'm circumcised on the eighth day. Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. I've got all of this stuff going on in my world. I'm a Pharisee with regard to the law. Persecuted the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. And I, I do want to just, before I move on, say something. That's, co- those are, that's covenant language stuff when he starts saying righteousness from God and things like that because the Jews, it's just interesting little pause here, is that the Jews, a lot of times different people from theologians from the past have said that the Jews were trying to climb the ladder of legalistic righteousness and if they could do it all just right, then they would be right with God. And that's the way the gospel is even presented sometimes. Have you ever done anything wrong, just even one thing? Then, then you need Jesus. Well, we need Jesus for a whole lot more than just because we couldn't keep the law. In fact, Paul says at the end of that little paragraph there, as for, like, let's say you were trying to witness to Paul. Hey, have you ever broken one of the laws, just even one? As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow, uh, you're Paul faultless? Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's blowing my, uh, my, my, my witnessing to you here. Here's the deal. God gave, God picked the Jews. He chose them. And then He gave them the law and said, this, this marks you out. You're a chosen people. You're the, you're my people. You belong to me by birth. And now I want you to walk this out, this, you know, do these laws. But it's not like, and then one day you'll be right enough to be right with me. I chose you. You know, in Deuteronomy 9, it says, when you get into the land, don't think it's by your own righteousness or integrity that you got here. It's because I chose you. Okay, so that's what's going on. Now, the the new frame for us is that we're chosen in Jesus Christ. We're declared right in Jesus Christ. It's not by not by what we do. It's not by being marked out like the Jews were. We're chosen to walk out this life. We've got a new identity and, and we've got a new covenant uh, in Jesus Christ. So Paul is making all of that argument there in chapter three, and he's specifically hitting on this. And the word I want to use is, is tribal, tribalism. That's the, the, just when in our, when we're in our flesh and we're in a conflict, we don't always walk in the spirit. And just, we kind of lose the ability to think. And then we default over here to just whatever we are by just, uh, you just I'm this or I'm that. I, I just finished a book uh, yesterday by a guy named Celestin Masakura, and he was a uh, Rwandan guy, and it was about the, the genocide from 94 and, and bringing forgiveness and that whole thing. And, he's, and I don't know about you guys, but I used to think that 80% Rwandans were Christians in, when the genocide happened. And I, I would always hear that and I would go, they weren't really Christians. How could they do that? And I don't think that anymore. Just we are capable, even though we love Jesus, in the flesh, we're capable of some bad stuff. I mean, just, just any of us. And when we get into tribal that, that tribal moat. So what happened was there'd been pressure building, pressure building, pressure building, some different, uh, violence things happening. And when it all got down to it, then between the Hutus and the Tutsis, they went for their tribe instead of for their first allegiance to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? This is, 
This is powerful and it's, it's a great way of kind of looking at what is the division that's going on here that Paul's trying to correct. And it's a, you know, if it's the citizenship thing, then it could very well be that's exactly what they were arguing about. Some related thing to citizenship. Those who were, those who weren't, that kind of thing. So the question is, do I know who I am? Do you know who you are? Do we know who we are in Jesus Christ? Do we know that we have a, a citizenship in heaven that transcends all other earthly realities? So if I say, let's, let's just think this through. I'm going to just try to bring this down on the ground where everybody can get it. If I say, you know, that I'm going to go tribal about the Dallas Cowboys, that may seem weird or funny. I mean, can you imagine getting really oh, been out of shape about the Cowboys? The last Cowboy game I went to, um, I've only been one time over to the new stadium, but there was an Eagles fan who was going tribal and they were beating us. They were beating the Cowboys and he was looking, he's standing up doing this to everybody around him. He was going kind of try, it was, and it was making people angry. These guys beside, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to go hit that guy. He's, <laughs> he's flying around, you know. Okay, going to take it a little step further. We can go tribal about, about the frogs. We love the frogs, but can you imagine like doing violence or something over the, over the frogs? You Baylor guy, you sooner. Ugh. Be, that, that's, that's weird, right? Or shouting things that not from the Spirit of God. <laughs> I just bless you, bears, to have a good day. Maybe not, right? Lousy, rassin, frassin, no good. Okay, let's take it a let's take it a notch deeper. If I say going tribal about being Democrat, come on, it's less funny, isn't it? Or I'm going to go tribal about being a Republican. And do you think that happens? I'm walking in the spirit. I'm a citizen of heaven. And all of a sudden something's happened and I'm over here just, and I've lost the ability to think. I can't even think anymore. Just not that oh, policies and. Send ah, on all of y'all. Ah. You know, come on. Let's don't take it a, take it a notch further here because we're talking about being citizens of heaven. So if I say going tribal about America, you know, then it's it's like wow, that's that's a big deal. Because Paul, again, he's arguing for unity because of their citizenship in heaven. That you would be one because you're citizens, not of here, but of there, of heaven. So it's a really big deal. I mean, and so how would, does that have any implications for us with race? It does, doesn't it? You know, and so we, we go tribal on our thing, you know, it's white, black, whatever, Hispanic, Latino, 
Asian. And it's much more complicated than that, isn't it? I mean, really, honestly. Like if I was going to, if I even wanted to know what my real tribe was, that would be a confusing pursuit. It, honestly. German, uh, Irish, English, Cherokee. <laughs> and so buying into just somebody's tribal thing when I'm a citizen of heaven, there's a bigger story going on here. There's a bigger story. It's for all of us. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize the pain and all those things, but Paul's calling us to something higher. Calling us to something deeper. It happens with denominations, right? I'm, I'm Methodist. I'm Baptist. I'm non-denominational. I'm charismatic, Pentecostal. I'm chout one. I'm Presbyterian. You know? I'm Church of Christ. Whatever. And we can go tribal on any one of those, right? Anybody ever seen that happen? Forget about our citizenship in heaven. Go tribal on one of those. We can do it with doctrinal distinctives. I'm reformed. I'm more reformed. I'm the most reformed, reformed former that ever reformed that exist. We, I could keep going on that. So bring this down. We could even do it. I love our, we literally say our tribe. Our family, our larger extended church family, Antioch, you know, but if I, if I, if I got lost the ability to think and got all veins and stuff and we're the best, we're better than all the other sending, you know, then that's miss. That's we're all, we got to function like Paul's calling us to here as citizen, as like our citizenship is not here, it's there. And that's going to shape all that we do, the ways that we think. Where is, and here's the question, where is our first allegiance? That's just it. Who is our first allegiance to? Where's our citizenship? I think it's good. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll say this the pressure isn't on us here on Sundays, pressure's not here. The pressure is when you're in one of those situations or you're having conflict with somebody and you feel like you're losing the ability to breathe deep in the peace and rest of God, to walk in the Spirit. And I'm over here and I'm constricted down to this tribal kind of thinking and I forget that my citizenship is in heaven. So it's knowing who we are. Shared purpose is connected to knowing who we are, and that's really going to affect our direction then. And that's the second piece here. Shared purpose is connected not only to knowing who we are, but knowing where we are going, right? So Paul, everything changes there. Paul's like, he's got a new direction. All this stuff that I, you think you've got it going on in the flesh, I've got it going on even more. I mean, that's, that's just a wild kind of thought. You know, if two people were kind of bowing up, no, that's nothing. I got this. No, that's nothing. I got this. And it's a, granted, it's a different kind of list of things. You know, you start talking about circumcision and, you know, your tribe and all that. But that's, that's the point is 
Instead of that, he's got a new direction. It's not the past, it's Jesus Christ. I've lost all, all that for me is rubbish. It's dog food, it's dung, all those kinds of things, the way that, the way that's translated sometimes. And so I've lost it all for the sake of Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to walk in his resurrection. You know, I want to even share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And that only makes sense if we understand that that's the way God is. It doesn't make, it's not natural for us to want to share in the fellowship of someone's sufferings. But that's God. God is self-giving, other-centered, self-sacrificing love. That's what God is like. That's what His love is like. It looks like the cross. And so Paul is saying, I want to know Him. I want to know what His life is like and what following Him is going to mean the way of the cross. And that helps us to know that it's okay sometimes. So There is suffering along the way. And it's not just any kind of pain or anything hard means it's not the leading of the Lord. Everybody tracking on that? So just it doesn't mean that hard things, hard things do happen. And we have to walk through this. It makes me celebrate and rejoice when times are good, right? But we also have to walk through hard things. And he says, I press on. I'm not there, but I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm pressing now because of my identity, I'm pressing toward that that location. I'm pressing toward the upward call, heavenward call in Christ Jesus. Everybody tracking? Because we know who we are, now we can press on toward toward the vision that God's given us. And the power of vision and purpose is being able to say yes and being able to say no. We don't just walk through life and say yes to everything or no to everything. But when we have vision and purpose, we're able to say yes to some things and notice some things. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, where there's no vision, where there's no revelation, the people, they, they cast off restraint. They just do whatever they want to do. But with vision and with purpose, we don't just do whatever we want to do. We were not unloving toward one another. We have, we make a choice. I'm going to love Audrey because she's a citizen of heaven. I'm going to, going to, uh, love Aiden or just, I, just all the different shapes and colors and nationalities and we're citizens of heaven together you know and and so that 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 has an impact on me vision and purpose living in the self-sacrificing way of Jesus Christ living with a vision of Jesus who is the Lord and bringing he's going to bring everything under his control that's just that's a powerful thought and I'm living in the power of his resurrection this shared purpose what it does is it really does have a unifying power to it. When we are walking together with a shared purpose and a shared vision and a shared citizenship, it does bring us together. And it's powerful. Max Lucado tells a story uh, about when he was a kid, his, he and his best friend, they, his dad took them on a fishing trip somewhere here in Texas. And they had a little camper and they get out to the lake there. And on the first morning, a big time storm comes in one of the, you know, the north, they come in real fast, and you know how it does. And uh, so this, this storm comes, and so they're, but they're having fun with it. And so the first day, they start playing Monopoly. They love playing Monopoly. They're, you know, they're having fun with that, playing Monopoly. But the, the rain keeps coming. It's out like, shh. 
They wake up the next morning, it's, it's happening again. Still, still raining, storming, wind blowing, rain's blowing sideways, all of that. And they begin to play Monopoly again and do things, and they're in this little camper. But over the course of the day, they start getting irritated with each other because they're right there on top of each other. Monopoly's less fun. You know, they, somebody's taking boardwalk a few times, whatever. <laughs> and, and so they start getting irritated with each other on the, on the third morning, they wake up and it's raining again. And Max's dad says, eh, we're out of here. <laughs> we're going back. Because they, by that time, they'd really been fighting. The point is, Max makes this point, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. And that's the point. And so if we're, if we're not doing what God's called us to do in terms of the purpose that He's given us, we end up going, well, you know, John, he... I, I didn't really like that shirt he was wearing. That he should. He should. Sorry. I don't know what I'm trying to do right here. I'm trying to come up with another. Sorry, John. But we start getting nitpicky because we've lost sight of the purpose that God's given us. His love flowing in us is expressed in shared purpose. Not only for Him, but for what he's calling us to do is his people. And the result of that is it brings us together. It brings us together and, and allow, it doesn't allow us to, if we're going to participate in his purpose together, it doesn't allow us to stand back as an as a observer, just kind of judging stuff. But we jump in there and we realize, hey, we're all in this together. So let me, let me land this plane and we'll, we'll pray for each other. Paul is arguing that unity should be the result of identity and direction. That's the big thing he's saying here. You know, you're, who you are and where you're going is going to affect how you walk in unity together. Again, we're going to get there next week and see that he's saying, Euodia, Syntyche, I want you ladies, get along with each other. Would you get along with your citizens of heaven together? Get along with each other. Overflowing love is expressed in shared purpose that results in unity. And it may be that you're in a conflict today, and this is a helpful word to remember. And it may be that you're not in a conflict today. And that's, again, that's what this letter's about. And if you're not in a conflict, then let's drink these things down deep to know that if they're in Christ, if they love Jesus, they're in Jesus Christ, then we are citizens with them, regardless of the denomination or the doctrinal distinctive piece about how much you know, some of these things that just absolutely divide and shred and hurt the body of Christ. So, so we recognize we are citizens together of heaven and, and it allows us to have more compassion, more love, stay out of that tribal kind of spot, you know. And even though those things are real, those, a lot of those things are good things. But not when we're using them to divide in the body of Christ. Right? So let's pray about this a little bit. Y'all stand up. And if you're visiting with us, we do this every Sunday. We're just going to take five minutes here and just pray and uh, have a little ministry. There's be people here at the front. The team's going to play a song. And, uh, and I just want to invite you 
to come and receive ministry just in a couple of different areas. And the first one is this. We've talked a lot today about Jesus Christ being the Lord. And if that's something that you've not really said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord in my life. And I want to encourage you, man, come get prayer or, or pray with somebody. And let's put a stake in the ground and say, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Now, and if you're not going through a conflict, man, come and get prayer. Let's, I want these truths to be in me. I want this knowing who we are, knowing where we're going to be in me so that I can walk out this journey. And, and especially if you've got something you're going through, man, get prayer with somebody. Meet, just say, Lord, would you just give me a breakthrough? I want to just speak grace to this mountain of this relational difficulty I'm going through. I want to know who I am so that I can walk this thing out in a good way. So whatever your need is, you guys, let's, let's just take a little minute here. Father, meet us in this place of worship, this place of prayer, and absolutely change us. We want to learn just how to walk this out in the way that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is, is teaching us and encouraging us to know that our citizenship is in heaven. And we want our minds set there. And we want to walk out into the fullness of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, whatever your need is, come get prayer. Let's just press into the Lord here for a minute. We need you, Lord.